Welcome to this edition of In the Author's Voice. I'm Jeff Williams. A new study by the John Muir Project shows that fire does important ecological work in forests, and it may be time to rethink our federal policy on logging and forest fire suppression. Chad Hansen is a forest fire ecologist and author of the book, The Ecological Importance of Mixed Severity Fires. I recently talked with Hansen about the study's findings and his work as a forest fire ecologist. Yeah, well, I, I spend a lot of time in the forest after fires occur, basically studying how uh, forests regenerate after fire, the trees, the shrubs, wildflowers, you know, all the, all the vegetation, and all the different wildlife species that actually depend on post-fire habitat, either because of the dead trees, what we call snags, um, or because of the um, vegetation growing in in the understory, uh, the shrubs and the, uh, and the wildflowers. This is incredibly timely. Obviously, we had the really unfortunate fires in, in Gatlinburg, which right. is uh, an area f- not too far from where we are in southern Illinois, and a lot of folks vacation there. But again, and then where we are here in this part of the state, we're right on the edge of the Shawnee National Forest, and and uh, many of our, of our of our listeners um, either live in forested areas or, or up against forested areas. And I know just this week um, in Harrisburg, in a part of the Shawnee National Forest, they're doing some prescribed burns. From your research, what is it that we didn't know that we didn't know in terms of how we can can manage and be proactive where where forest fires are concerned? Yeah, there there have been a number of, of you know kind of age old assumptions that have been you know turned turned on their heads for the most part in the past ten to fifteen years by uh, many many different studies. Um, you know, the, a lot of these questions really weren't being researched until fairly recently, and um, you know a few of the key ones are. Uh, you know, first, uh, it turns out that um, forests, uh, that fires do not destroy forest ecosystems. And, and to me, you know, that one is really important because the, the, the idea, the assumption that fire destroys forests has been the basis for, you know, us spending most of our resources trying to suppress uh, fires in these remote areas as opposed to really focusing our resources um, almost exclusively trying to protect communities. And there are very effective ways to do that. And it's not that we're not doing that. It's just that we're splitting our, our time and our resources between trying to suppress these backcountry fires um, in these more remote forests and, and trying to uh, protect communities, both help them um, fireproof their homes and their properties um, and also help people evacuate when fires do occur. And so I think that's a key one. Uh, the other one is that uh, we can't actually stop fires once the weather is high. And what I mean by that is hot, dry, windy conditions. And certainly the, the Gatlinburg fire was, a, was a, a prime example of this. You had 90-mile-an-hour winds, uh, very dry conditions. Um, it's not possible to stop fires in those conditions. And it's not really about how dense the forest is or how open the forest is. It's just a matter of, of weather. You know, essentially, you're, by trying to fight the fire in those conditions, you're essentially trying to fight the wind, which you can't do. And so the best thing to do is really focus all those resources on trying to help people evacuate. And then, you know, before fires occur, help them um, do what we call defensible space work, um, removing most of the flammable material, uh, smaller trees, um, remove lower limbs on big trees, uh, some of the shrubs, within about 100 feet of individual homes. One thing I wanted to ask you about, I've covered the National Forest down here for, gosh, probably almost 25 years, and, and something that always keeps coming up over and over and over again are, are these... Um, Various logging sales within within the national forest, and and 
every now and then, one of the reasons you look down the list of, of, of reasons in support of this, of this particular cut is usually something along the lines that, that either talks about, um, you know, increasing the health of the forest or, or preventing fire hazards in, in the forest. What do we know now about, about logging that, that maybe we didn't, didn't know 10 or 15 years ago? Yeah, and this is another one of the key lessons that's emerging from the, the, the current science is that uh, there's this assumption for a long time, and this is still a dominant assumption, and in fact a lot of members of Congress are, are proposing to um, pass uh, new laws to roll back most environmental laws on our national forests and increase logging based on this assumption. And it goes something like this, that you know, where forests are, are more dense, um, we need to remove most of the trees so we can um, you know, reduce the density of the forest and the fires will burn less intensely. That's the assumption. And it seems intuitively correct to a lot of people. You know, forests don't have as many trees. You know, the idea is there's not as much fuel. But it turns out that uh, the opposite is actually occurring. We actually published the biggest study on this subject uh, ever um, just a few weeks ago. And uh, we found that um, you know, we looked at 23 million acres of fire over the course of three decades. And uh, the, the forests with the most protections from logging and the least logging or, or no logging history at all, um, even when you control for forest types and topography, um, those forests burn the least intensely. They still have a nice mix of low, moderate, and high-intensity fire. And you want that mix, that mosaic that we talk about, because different wildlife species depend upon different types of habitats that are created by different fire intensities. And so that's all good. But the assumption that somehow if we um, uh, open up the forests, uh, including public forests, to, to more logging and, and reduce or, or roll back environmental laws um, to increase logging, that somehow that's going to reduce fire intensity. Uh, that's actually um, exactly the opposite of what we're finding. And so really what these logging projects are doing is not only are they damaging important habitat, um, but they're not solving in any way um, any kind of fire management issue. A lot of our forest lands are managed either by the, the federal government or maybe in some cases state governments. And I think that having worked with, with Forest Service folks for a number of years, I, I think they all have their, I mean, their hearts are all in the, in the right place. But do they all have the current tools that they need to, to really best manage these forest lands? Or is this new study going to provide hopefully some, some new research that will help in modifying how our, our, our forest lands are, are managed? I think that they don't have the resources placed in the right, um, focused in the right places. I mean, I think that's really the main problem. And it's it's not that the folks on the ground aren't aren't doing the right things necessarily. Um, it's it's that the policies being um, created at the federal level um, are, are really the the key issue. Those policies need to change. The folks on the ground are really just following those policies, and so you know we 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 know a lot more now about these issues than we than we used to know. We know that. Um, if we do the defensible space work around homes and around you know, commercial buildings and forested areas, um, and, uh, and if we help homeowners and, uh, increase the, the uh, fire resistance of their structures, fire-resistant roofing and siding, simple things like uh, rain gutter guards, um, which help um, dry leaves and needles from accumulating, um, and uh, you know, embers can float, you know, float on the wind and fall in those um, areas if there's no rain gutters and you know, burn a house down. Things like that, that people don't really think about that often. That's oftentimes what makes a difference between a home burning or not. But we're not focusing most of our resources there to help people protect their structures, both before fires occur and, and then help people evacuate when fires um, are actually occurring. And I think that, uh, you know, again, it's not that that's not happening. It's just that that's where only a portion of the resources are going. And, 
in my view, that's really where essentially uh, nearly all of the resources should be going because, um, and this is another thing that seems counterintuitive, but uh, we, we found that we actually have less fire in our forests, in nearly every forested region of the country. We have less fire now than we did historically. Um, I mean, that's mostly because of fire suppression. We started you know, aggressively suppressing fires in the early 20th century, in the mid-20th century especially. And so in you know, a lot of these areas, people don't really have any um, recollection of fires, um, especially in, in some of the Appalachian forests. But you know, fire is a natural part of these forests, both in the east and in the west. And uh, you know, there are different fire regimes, and they have different characteristics. But it is natural. And for the most part, we have less. And so it's not a bad thing ecologically when fires occur, but it's a tragedy when homes are burned, buildings are burned, or when uh, lives are lost. I suppose there's 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 a balance. I know we've seen this with with communities that ex- expand to the to the you know, absolute edge of our oceans and and gulfs, and and then wonder why they're seeing more uh, you know more potential flooding. Are we? I know that just from around here that we are continuing to expand and build within the within the, the forested areas. Is there a balance there somewhere? I mean, yes, we want to protect homes, but do we need to be building and developing intelligently? I think we do, and I think that there's there's a role for zoning here um, in terms of uh, you know places that we we know um, have fire as a natural role in these systems. You know, in these forests. Fires as natural as, as the sun and the rain, and in many ways it's as essential to the, uh, the, the health of these ecosystems. We know fire is going to happen. We know that when you have fire um, under hot, dry, windy conditions, you can't stop it. You'll only stop when the weather changes and uh, when you get, uh, you know, cool down to temperatures and mostly when you get some rains. And that's when the fires slow down and stop. Um, and so what we can do is, is, you know, focus our resources on protecting uh, homes, protecting structures, and developing an infrastructure and a game plan uh, to help people evacuate um, when fires do occur. And, and I think that's really, that's really where we need to go um, in, into the future. And so and that really starts at the federal level and needs to you know, work its way down to uh, you know, the local and regional level. You'd mentioned that we actually, if you look historically at the data, have a, have a forest fire deficit. Does that mean that there is, I mean, is there some sort of stored energy or potential that we might see some fires more in, intense than what maybe they would normally be if they were just allowed to naturally occur? Are we risking having sort of a, I don't know if I want to call it a ticking time bomb, but is, is there a potential of having some greater severity of, of, of forest fires because we haven't kind of let the natural management of those fires run its course? Well, that's a really good question, and it, it would seem that that, that that would be the case. Um, you would think, you know, again, because as forests get more dense that they would accumulate more biomass, and that's more fuel, and therefore when fire burns, it would be more intense. I mean, that's, that's what, that's what uh, uh, a lot of people you know, have believed for a long time, and it, it seems to make sense. We haven't tested this uh, idea in every part of the country, but we have tested it in certain areas. There's been several studies done in the forests of California, for example, and a number of studies elsewhere um, in North America and in various other forest types around the world that have fire as a natural part of those forests. And interestingly, uh, it turns out that about for the first 10 years or so, maybe 15, after fire occurs, that particular area that burned has a lower potential to burn again, or when it does burn, it will tend to burn less intensely. After that, um, it doesn't seem to make much difference. And the idea, the assumption for a long time was that after that 10 or 15-year period, 
there's just a progressive increase with every you know uh, decade uh, of, of of fire potential and potential for increased uh, fire. And so after several decades, the idea was uh, the assumption was that if fire occurs, those areas are almost exclusively going to burn at high intensity. It turns out that what we're finding is that. Uh, these areas, the most long unburned forests, are burning mostly at low and moderate intensity. And you don't see that progressive increase in fire intensity that you might expect. We think what's going on is that there's these countervailing factors. Um, yes, forests get more dense with time since fire. Uh, yes, they accumulate more biomass. But they also have um, higher canopy cover. And there's more cooling shade um, on the forest floor created by that higher canopy cover in those denser forests. And what that means is that the surface fuels, those down logs and twigs and branches and leaves on the forest floor, they tend to stay more moist later into the fire season um, than they otherwise would. And so um, those areas actually can oftentimes burn less intensely. And, and so the main effect of, of fire suppression from an ecological standpoint is just that we have a lot less post-fire habitat. And, um, and that's a real consequence for a lot of plant and animal species that depend on fire, you know, some of the tree species. Um, many in the West and, uh, and some also in the Appalachians really rely on fire to help themselves reproduce and regenerate. Uh, different uh, woodpecker species and shrub nesting species uh, need fire to create the habitats that uh, they need for their food and to survive. And so, you know, it is important. Um, and this is why, you know, I suggest that we really just sort of decouple the conversation about fire in our forests versus fire in communities because they really are different conversations. We've got this this new study that that's out and, and released, and and then there obviously your your your, your book as as well. What do you hope that what do you hope that people take away from you know the results of of the study and what what you found? Well, you know, we hope that that we have a change in policies at the federal level that can help people at the local um, and state level, and and that we we recognize that fire is doing important, beneficial ecological work in our forests. And that forests do naturally regenerate after fire, and, and, and uh, it's good for, for wildlife habitat. It's not a destructive uh, force, actually, in the forest, but it is destructive at communities. And we just hope that, that through the book, uh, which is called uh, The Ecological Importance of Mixed Severity Fires, Nature's Phoenix, um, we, we hope that through the book, which has a whole chapter, Chapter 13, devoted to how people can protect their homes and communities from fire, um, while allowing fires to burn safely in the backcountry. You know, we hope that uh, we, we have a change in, in federal policies that will not only uh, benefit forest ecosystems by, by, allowing more, uh, by, by allowing more fires to occur in backcountry areas and not trying to you know, spend resources fighting them, but also we hope that it will help uh, protect communities and, and, uh, and homes and, and lives um, by, by diverting and spending more of our resources and a larger portion um, of our resources uh, helping people protect their, their homes from fire and fireproof their structures and properties and helping uh, them evacuate uh, when fires occur. You know, just simple things a lot of people don't think about. You know, I had a couple of family members in a, in a fire that occurred in, in my neck of the woods um, earlier this year um, who were trying to evacuate, but, you know, they had horses. And um, the fire suppression folks said, well, that's not a priority. You know, you need to get out. But, you know, people aren't going to leave their horses behind or their cats. Um, and, and that's understandable. And so that really wasn't factored into the evacuation plan. Um, and so, you know, because the focus was still on trying to drop fire retardant in these backcountry areas where it wasn't effective. That's Dr. Chad Hansen, forest fire ecologist with the John Muir Project of Earth Island Institute. You can learn more about the new forest fire study online at the johnmuirproject.org. 
That's Muir, spelled M-U-I-R. With this edition of In the Author's Voice, I'm Jeff Williams.